National is in and labor is out. But do you know what that means for you as a HR professional, employer, or even employee? Well, stay tuned and I'll be discussing the raft of policies that they have put forward and how it will impact the employment law space. Welcome to Lawlands, everyone. My name is Sanam, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, we are going to have a very interesting topic. Like I said, labor is out and national is in. But what does that actually mean for the employment law space? As an employer, a HR professional, even an employee, what do you need to look out for? There are a lot of changes coming, and today I wanted to get into all of the bits and pieces. Now, we won't be going into a lot of detail about each of the topics, because as you can imagine, trial periods, for example, are a whole topic on their own, but best believe that I will be releasing something around that because obviously it is a very important area of employment law. So with that said, we'll get straight into it. We're going to be looking at the first set of policies that the National Party are going to be putting forward. And like I said, this is all about having a look at what the National Party has said that they are going to be bringing forth during their time in Parliament and also looking at what's going to be axed or maybe where their focus is. And I can tell you there is such a heavy focus on immigration and not necessarily axing anything in immigration, but more so expanding it out and having a lot more immigrants coming in, which I think is really interesting compared to the last government that we saw. Now, I'd like to say that I am no political guru. I may be a lawyer and I know all lawyers love a good political debate or love to talk about politics. Not my jam. But what is my jam is employment law. So more than happy to talk about that, but I'm not going to sit here and debate Labour and National and the Greens Party and all that good stuff. I'm here to talk about what's going to come up and potentially what you need to look out for. So let's get into the first thing. This is part of the national government's plan. Now, they have a 100-day plan that they've put together where they're saying that in the 100 days, this is what we want to do in our first 100 days in, in Parliament. The first 100 days when it comes to employment law relates to two areas. The first one is abolishing fair pay agreements. If you remember, fair pay agreements was brought in, I think, late last year. And since then, it, we've kind of seen the space moving. And the fair pay agreements is all about is setting you know, minimum terms and conditions for a particular industry or occupation that's usually brought together by unions or employer associations. So we've seen some move forward and gone to, to the bargaining stage, like the cleaners, the coach drivers and all of that. But we haven't seen anything reach ratification. So we're not even at that stage yet, which means that most likely as soon as national has come in, they're going to say bye, bye, bye to that particular area of, of law. So what the National Party has said is that having fair pay agreements is going to hike up inflation. It's going to cause a lot of upset. Now, this is what they're saying, not necessarily me. And I can see the, the benefits of having fair pay agreements, but I can also see that other side of it as well, because you are going to be paying increased salaries or increased wages potentially, which may hike up prices for certain things. But that legislation will now be repealed. It's not in place at the moment. They have just come in to government, but that is where we're most likely headed when it comes to fair pay agreements. Now, the next area is trial periods. Everybody loves a good trial period. Unfortunately, not everyone at the moment <laughs> because people that have larger number of employees, they cannot use them and that goes across the board. So the way that trial periods work is that 
at the moment, if you have 19 or more employees at the time of hiring, so 20 or more, then that means that you are not able to use a trial period. But if you have 19 or fewer employees, then you are able to use one. So it really is meant for small to medium-sized businesses, or mostly small businesses. What the national government is saying, the national party is going to come in, and in the first 100 days, they are saying we are going to extend out that 90-day trial period to all businesses. Now, this is not new to us. This is absolutely not new because in 2009, we first saw trial periods come in and it was very similar to the way that it is now. We had basically that if you were a smaller business, like I said, 19 or fewer employees, then you could utilize the trial period. But if you had more than 20, absolutely no. So exactly the same as now. But as we can see with the governments and, and the movement and the way things happen in 2011, that was overturned and all businesses across the board were able to use trial periods. But again, that has changed again. And in 2019, we are back to where we are right now. So the laws have not changed at the moment. It will change and that's part of the 100-day plan. So keep an eye out for that. And most likely, I will be putting out a podcast when it comes to that and also how to utilize trial periods. So I'm not going to get into all of the details in this podcast, but I never see a negative issue with having trial periods. I feel like the law is stacked up against employers so horribly that having some sort of out like a trial period is a great benefit, whether you're a large company or a small company. But I understand it is a contentious area for a lot of people. So I can't see a negative impact on using trial periods, especially with the laws being the way that they are. So if you have a trial period clause, if you're using it correctly, then this will be a great asset. But like I said, this is not the podcast to get into all of that detail. But please keep uh, an ear out and an eye out for that podcast because I definitely will be releasing one once we hear more about the laws changing. Now, those are the two areas that are going to be focused on in the 100 days of the national government coming in. Now, outside of that, we're seeing a lot of movement. The first area that I've noticed is paid parental leave. Now, this is a very interesting one because I actually had to go back personally myself and have a look at what the laws were around leave and how this was a significant change. And there isn't any abolishing of paid parental leave. No need to worry there. What the national government is bringing in is that at the moment, as the law stands, a birth parent can transfer their leave entitlement to their partner. So they can transfer a portion of it to their partner because generally if you've worked for 12 months, then you get two weeks unpaid leave as a partner. So this allows them to at least have some additional time off. But the only problem there is that people cannot take it simultaneously. They cannot take it together. That partner and that birth parent, they need to take it at different times. And the national government is saying, why does that need to happen? What, what is the purpose behind it? We need to give people flexibility. And that is why the laws around paid parental leave are going to change. And it will allow for more flexibility and for people to take their leave together, whether they're the partner, the birth parent they are able to take it simultaneously, which I think is going to be a great benefit. Rarely have I seen in my time two people that are partners working in the same workplace together. It does happen, but it's not so common where it's going to cause a huge upset and disrupt. So I think it can be quite beneficial. 
Now, the next thing, I had no idea about this, by the way. Look, as a lawyer, we have to do our professional development and, and do all of that good stuff. It's always great fun, isn't it? That you have to go out and learn and upskill yourself. Yay. But I didn't know at all that teachers actually haven't needed to recertify and do their professional development to recertify, which I think is really, really interesting. No idea about this. I guess you would know if you were in the industry. Me, not so much, not in the industry. But what the National Party is doing is they are saying that teachers need to provide professional development to be able to recertify. So teachers, something to look out for, enjoy it while you can, because it seems like you're going to have to do a little bit more work and do professional development. And like I said, so many lawyers out there that love a good debate, that love to sit through these courses and everything. And if the Law Society is listening, I love doing it too. <laughs> now, the next area, and this is what we're going to get into, heavy you know, considerations of immigration and just migrant workers. The first one is recognized seasonal employer schemes. Now, that recognized seasonal employer scheme, it is changing up a little bit. What is happening there is a lot of it is about broadening, expanding, making things a lot easier. And like I said, it's because the national government is doing a huge shift. They are trying to increase the amount of migrant workers, it seems, have more people emigrate to, to New Zealand, create easier pathways for residency in New Zealand. So you can really see that shift happening with the national party and the national government. Now, this particular recognized seasonal employer scheme what they're trying to do is ensure that horticulture and viticulture industries can um, recruit from overseas workers and continue to do that, but they want to extend the cap out and increase the caps. At the moment, we only allow 19,000 employees to come in. They want to increase and bump that up to 38,000 employees per year, so a significant increase. And to be honest, when you go into the Immigration New Zealand website, you can see it steadily increasing each year. So there clearly was, there is, not was, there, there has been demand for it. So you can see it slowly going up and up and up. And they're just kind of playing to that. And they're trying to have that continually increase. And the, even so much so that they're trying to relax the, the rules around getting this particular visa, this particular scheme. And they are also trying to uh, propose and, and their policy will be to extend out the countries and broaden out the countries that are actually applicable. So we see a lot of countries around the South Pacific Islands, like Fiji, for example, being able to tap into this particular scheme, but they want to broaden those countries out and allow for more to access the scheme. So definitely a, a shift in a different direction. And like I said, more focusing on agriculture, horticulture, and that moves on to the next visa that I'm going to talk about, which is the accredited employment work visa. Now, accreditation was a big thing. If you were hiring migrant workers in the last year, year and a half, accreditation was a big thing. It's still a huge thing because we're trying to navigate this accreditation space. But what the national government is saying is that, look, we have a lot of people in the agriculture industry that are churning out export. That is one of our main areas of exportation. It is our main area that underpins our economy. So why not give it more? So what the party wants to do is change the rules for agricultural workers, specifically around the median wage requirements and, and that being completely removed. So if you remember, 
The median wage requirement went up to 29.66 per hour. That's what it currently is at the moment. It changed in the 27th of, of February this year to, to that amount. And it's set to go up again to $31 something. Now, they want to completely axe that. And I completely understand. When I was working in HOSPO and, and I was working in an advisory space in HOSPO, everybody was pissed off. It's one thing to not be able to get anyone locally and then to have somebody come in from overseas to guarantee them work here, to go through all of that process, and you have to pay them $29.66 per hour, that is a lot of money. The national government wants to completely get rid of that, eradicate that, and look at changing things up and introducing a pathway to residency. So like I said, th this whole pathway to residency, this whole shift, this whole movement is what they're looking at doing. So definitely it's headed in a direction where we're looking at a lot more immigration to, to New Zealand. We're looking at the space changing. And one of their other areas is, is solely around boosting tourism. When we're looking at boosting tourism, what the party wants to do is increase more tourists. So they see, one, that agriculture underpins New Zealand and its economy. That's one. The next thing is that they look at tourism as another area or a major source of revenue for supporting local businesses in New Zealand, for underpinning New Zealand's economy. And they believe that somehow we've fallen by the wayside and that hasn't been our focus anymore. So what they want to do is increase the age limit, for example, for the working holiday visa. So they want to change that from a cap at 30 years old to 35 years old. Then they also want to look at people from eligible countries that can apply for particular visas. Are they able to apply for a second or third visa if they work in areas that may need more staff or that have staff shortages? So for example, in the tourism sector, they really want to amp that up. So you can see that there's a boost in tourism and, and like I said, a boost in agriculture and really growing those areas. The last one that I thought was an interesting boost, which we've kind of looked at to a certain extent, there was definitely a digital transformation project and the efforts that the Labour government was putting forward to help local businesses really understand digital transformation, understand their business, how to move things online, how to grow their business in, in a different way, not the old school way, <laughs> for, for lack of better words. But what we're looking at now is also boosting technology. And what the national government now is looking at is skills shortages, which cause a barrier to New Zealand's technological growth. So they're looking at skills outside of agriculture, outside of tourism, and they're going, look, if we bring in tech, if we bring in employees that are heavily involved in tech, how will that impact our economy? How will that impact on our technological growth? And that is one thing that they are focusing on. So for example, they want to have a visa for workers from major global tech companies, which they're calling the Global Growth Tech Visa. They want to allow paths for full residency, similar to, to what they're doing with the accredited employment work visa. They also want to have the eligibility and all of the ins and outs run by Immigration New Zealand. So you can see that there's definitely movement that's happening. It's very different landscape than what the Labour government introduced. It's very contentious too. I completely understand. Like I said, I was in HOSPO during the time when we had those labour market tests and we were looking at who should be able to work in particular sectors. 
we had this test to say, let's make sure that the local people can actually apply for the jobs. And to be honest, what I was seeing time and time again was that the jobs were there, but nobody locally was applying. So these employers had no other choice but to get people from overseas. Now, this is just my particular scenario in terms of what I've seen. And I'd love to hear about anything that that you've particularly seen or any topics that you would like to discuss. So absolutely feel free to reach out. I've always got all the social channels linked as well as the Ask Lawlands email address. So please always reach out so that I can talk about some of the topics that you'd like to discuss. And, and that is hopefully where this podcast will eventually go. So thank you so much for tuning in. Those are the main areas that I've particularly noticed that could be impacting employers. Now, all of these will not impact everyone, especially if you're not in those industries where you have heavy migrant workers, but definitely fair pay agreements and the fact that the 90-day trial period is going to change will be a huge change for certain industries. So keep an eye out. I definitely will have more information around the trial periods. I hope you have a wonderful day from wherever you're listening from. Thank you so much for tuning in and feel free to email through to asklawlands at gmail.com. 